Hi, this is Carly, Recovered Alcoholic. Welcome to episode 17 of North Star Big Book. I am trying to record from my phone in the car while my kids are at karate, so I hope that the sound is okay. If not, I'll listen to it after and we won't do this again. But this could allow me to do more recordings, which would be awesome. We are in more about alcoholism. At the bottom of page 34, we just identified the loophole in the big book of the way that you don't have to do the steps or the spiritual work. It said right there on the paragraph before, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. So basically, if I can choose whether I'm going to drink or not, I can... I can skip the steps. I don't have to do any spiritual work. If I have the power to choose, I don't have to do any work. If I don't have the power to choose, the book tells me I need a spiritual experience. It says, how then shall we re- we help our readers determine to their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? Because that's ultimately what the whole deal is about. My job as a recovered alcoholic who knows how to walk this path is to take someone else who doesn't know, sit them down, walk them through this and say, this is what an alcoholic is. Do you think this is who you are? And then they get to decide to themselves because the book says over and over, I have to concede to my innermost self that I'm a real alcoholic. At the end of the day, it has to be me when I look in the mirror, when I'm brushing my teeth, when I'm laying down on my pillow at night, when it's quiet, I have to know my own truth. When I'm an in a doctor's office and they're offering me something that I know I shouldn't be taking, what is my truth? Am I willing to stand up for my truth no matter what? Not because someone's there or not there. It says the experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think, that's the first 100 men and women, we can render an even greater service to alcoholic sufferers and perhaps to the medical fraternity. So we shall describe, I underline the next, the rest of the paragraph. On the top of 35. So we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking. For obviously this is the crux of the problem. Above that I wrote the mind is the problem. The mind is the problem. I double underlined a relapse into drinking. I did that in red. Because that's what can happen. The crux, when he says the crux of the problem, that means the heart of the problem. They're telling me that the mental states that come before I pick up a drink is the heart of the problem. I wrote, can you see the truth? Question mark. Can you see the truth? Can you see that the truth is not the alcohol? The truth is that my mind believes a lie. Stone cold sober just before we drink, 100% sober. The next sentence I underlined, what sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of that first drink? I double underline in red, desperate experiment of the first drink, and I double underline the word thinking. They are no longer talking about drinking. They're talking about thinking. I wrote on the side, believed the lie. And then I wrote, not about drinking anymore. Believe the lie, not about drinking anymore. Friends who have reasoned with him after a spree which has been which has brought him to the point of divorce or bankruptcy are mystified when he walks directly into a saloon. Why does he? Of what is he thinking? I underlined thinking again. I wrote next to that mental obsession. We're not talking about our drinking. We're talking about our thinking. What were you thinking? Where did you get this idea? What's wrong with her? What her? She's crazy. It's because they're referring to our thinking, and that's the real problem. 
The next paragraph says, Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He has a commendable World War record. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He is an intelligent man, normal so far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition. He did no drinking until he was 35. In a few years, above a few years, I wrote, by 37... I underlined and read, he became so violent when intoxicated. So two years of drinking that he had to be committed. On leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. So for any of you that did not drink for as long as you think is enough time to sound like a real alcoholic, the big book does not give a time. They're giving an example of someone who only drank two years. I underlined the next two sentences. We told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. He made a beginning. I want to go back to that. The first part, we told him what we knew of alcoholism. I wrote above that step one problem. So that's the problem. We share what our problem is, our common problem. Then I made like a separation between the word alcoholism and the word and. And I wrote step two, solution. So the problem is what we know of alcoholism, that's the mental obsession and the physical allergy, and the solution is the answer we found, which is the spiritual experience. I circled the word we, because remember, that's who we're talking about, and I wrote on the side, we have an answer, exclamation mark. That's something I can feel really proud of. I forget it all the time. I'm constantly walking around going, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my purpose? Why am I here? And yet, my book tells me right here what my purpose is, what I'm supposed to do with my life. I underlined he made a beginning and I wrote step three. So he knew the problem, he knew the solution, and he made the decision to do something about it. But he didn't follow it through. He just got sober. His family was reassembled and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. I underlined all went well for a time. And then I underlined in red and put a star. But he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And I put a star right there because that's the most important thing that we need to focus on. He did not enlarge his spiritual life. I wrote on the side the words, we must. And I wrote the word page 14 because on page 14 it tells me we must. I underlined and read the next sentence. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. And above consternation, I wrote dismay. So he was shocked by this. He couldn't believe he kept getting drunk. He didn't understand why. I underline on each of these occasions we worked with him. So that's really, really clear there. They do not give me any indication that after someone drinks a certain amount of times, I stop working with them, that I'm not the right fit for a sponsor, or that they just don't get it. What I've been taught in my sobriety is that we work with them every single time until they're either sober or dead, and that we never give up on an alcoholic until they take their last breath. The idea that I might not be able to help somebody and that that's why they're drinking is misunderstanding what our real problem is. And unless I'm telling them to not do the work and not do the steps, I am not the problem. My my only goal, my only job is to carry the message, which is out of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous that we're reading. It says, reviewing carefully what had happened, he agreed he was, I underlined, a real alcoholic and in a serious condition. So he knew step one. I wrote on the side, knows the problem and solution knows the problem and solution and then I wrote not willing to do the work not willing to do the work 
So self-knowledge is not our problem and it's not our answer. Knowing what's wrong with me and knowing what the solution is is not enough. I have to be willing to do the work. He knew he, I underline, faced another trip to the asylum. So that's part of what he faces if he kept on. Moreover, I underline, he would lose his family for whom he had a deep affection. So he knows what's wrong and he knows what's going to happen if he keeps going. I wrote on the bottom, confrontation without compassion is cruelty. Confrontation without compassion is cruelty. Confrontation without compassion is cruelty. And then I wrote, reality without a solution is brutality. Reality without a solution is brutality. So both of those ideas, confrontation without compassion is cruelty, and reality without a solution is brutality, are saying, if I just present step one, and I even present step two, but I don't tell them how, and I don't show them how, that is horrible. That's so, that's giving them nothing. We have the keys to the kingdom. We do not need to hide the keys. I'm going to page 36 on the top. I wrote the word insanity. Insanity. And then I wrote inability to see the truth. Just because I like to keep defining what we're going to be talking about. Inability to see the truth. So it's like that blank spot, that blind spot, like when you're driving, where we can't see all around us. So I can't see what's coming from behind me or in my, bl- my blind spot. And what this is referring to is, is not being able to see the whole truth. So I can only see like the things that I want to focus on, like with my my view master that's broken and it's stuck on one picture and I can't see the whole full realm of the experience. So he knew all the things that could happen to him and everything that was at threat at stake and he got drunk again. We asked him to tell us exactly how it happened. This is his story. I came to work on a Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated. I underlined I felt irritated and I wrote resentment. So he's irritated, he's resentful that he has to be a salesman for a concern he once owned. I had a few words with the boss, I underlined, but nothing serious, so I wrote denial. Then I decided to drive into the country and see one of my prospects for a car. On the way, I felt hungry, so I stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar. I underlined, I had no intention of drinking. Above that, I wrote, no mental defense. So he goes to a bar, he tells himself he's going to go there to get a sandwich and to maybe meet a customer for a car at this place. He's been there before when he was drinking and he doesn't feel like he wants to drink so he's not afraid of drinking. I just thought I would get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place. I underlined, which was familiar for I had been going to it for years. I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at a table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still no thought of drinking. So he's aware that he's not thinking about drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. In my entire life, I've only ordered an entree at a restaurant twice in the same sitting. And it was after, like, I went on a super long hiking expedition with my husband. And it was, like, hours and hours and I was starving. So the idea that he's ordering two entrees is strange. To me, it kind of sounds like he's sticking around because... He wants to see how he's going to do there. And he's like, see, I don't want to drink yet. Still no thought of drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. I underlined, suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I wrote above 
thought, I wrote insanity. So he cannot see the truth. Because he just said to himself, if I put whiskey in milk because I've eaten food and I'm drinking milk, it's not going to affect me. He cannot see the truth. I wrote on the side, we believe the lie. So he believed a lie in this instance that if he could put whiskey in milk and if he ate it on a full stomach, he wouldn't be bad. I believe the lie that if no one knew I was doing it, I'd be okay. Or if everyone knew what I was doing it, I'd be okay. Or if I only did it with this person, I'd be okay. Or if I only did this, I'd be okay. Or if I only drink that, I'd be okay. Or if I was able to go a certain period of time, I'd be okay. These are all the lies, the mental obsession. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I wrote on the side, based on the lie, based on the lie, he makes a decision and takes action. Based on the lie, he makes a decision and takes action. If I look back at my life sober and just look at any parts of my life where I've made a decision based on a lie that was not inventory or prayed about or meditated, and I made a decision based on the lie that I told myself and I took action, I always ended up either harming someone else or harming myself. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I underlined, I vaguely sensed. That vaguely sensed is his God voice. That's his soul voice going, "Mm, this isn't a good idea, Jim. I've heard that voice. It doesn't say Jim, it says Carly. But it says, you shouldn't call. You don't text him. Don't say that. You know you should go to bed. You know you promised you were going to wake up. I was not being any too smart, but I felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. See, that's the lie. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. So he says to himself, I'm doing great. I'll have another. I wrote on the side, activated physical allergy. So now he's activated the physical allergy. And then it says, that didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. After the first drink, he needs a second drink. After the second drink, he needs a third drink. That's the physical allergy. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking, I underlined, always caused him. So that's his truth. I underlined, he had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic. And I wrote underneath that, self-knowledge is insufficient. Self-knowledge is insufficient, not enough. I underline, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. Above easily pushed aside, I wrote, because of mental obsession. So the mental obsession is why he was able to easily push it aside. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this, I underline, plain insanity. I underline the next the next sentence how can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else and i circled a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight and i wrote on the side definition for insanity so that's another definition the one we had on 36 inability to see the truth on 37 lack of proportion of the ability to think straight so we cannot think straight because there's something blocking us it says you may think this is an extreme case to us that's the first 100 men and women It is not far-fetched for, I underlined, this kind of thinking. I underlined the word thinking. And I wrote, mind believes the lie. Mind believes the lie. For this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences. I underlined the next two sentences. 
Next three sentences. But there was always the curious mental phenomenon that our, our mind that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. I wrote on the side, we believed the lie. We believed the lie. I underlined our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. And then I underlined the insane idea won out. And I double underlined idea and reasoning because they're all referring to our mind. Our mind failed us. Which means if my mind is the problem, I cannot use my own mind to fix it. So I cannot will myself to, to change. I tried. My mind worked for so many areas of my life. It worked for relationships, school, jobs, getting things I wanted from my family, conning people, body stuff, exercise. My will could make me do anything. And when I went up against my alcoholism, I lost every time. Next day, we would ask ourselves in all earnestness and sincerity how it could have happened. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by, I underline these, nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. And I wrote on the side, red flags of spiritual condition. Red flags of spiritual condition. And I wrote on the side, blocks us off from God. Red flags of spiritual condition blocks us off from God. So if I get too nervous, angry, worried, depressed, jealousy, or the like sober, I can get blocked off from God, which is why I do 10th steps. It says, but even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely, I underlined, insufficient in the light of what always happens. So even what I believed in my mind was justified, when you pair it next to what happened, and what it affected and what I lost, it never held it never held up. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the I underlined period of premeditation, and I wrote underneath that in the mind of what the terrific consequences might be. I underline our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible. So now we're describing our behavior. With respect to the first drink is that of an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as a foolish chap on the top of 38, having queer ideas of fun. Luck then deserts him and he is slightly injured several times in succession. You would expect him, I underline, if he were normal, and above if he were normal, I wrote, he isn't, to cut it out. People expected me to cut it out, to, to see the mess I made, to look at what I just did and to be like, Carly, why are you still doing this? And I didn't know and I couldn't explain it. And mostly it ended up making me be by myself because it was so uncomfortable and embarrassing. Presently, he is hit again and this time has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you, I underline, he has decided, and I wrote on the side, mental obsession. He has decided to stop jaywalking for good. How often did I decide? I made decisions and resolutions and proclamations all the time. But in a few weeks, he breaks both legs. See, I was not like Nicolas Cage in that movie where he like drinks himself to death. 
I didn't want this. Like, yes, when I was drinking, I wanted to not wake up and I wanted to die. But I also wanted to control it and wanted to keep my outsides looking good and get good grades and get in the parts I wanted and get the guy I wanted and have the friends I wanted and have my parents be okay with me. I didn't have this idea in my mind at this point of my drinking where I just didn't care. I did care. I cared a lot. And I couldn't control it no matter how much I cared. It says he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks he breaks both legs. On through the years, this conduct continues, accompanied by his, I underlined, continual promises, which is what we do as active alcoholics, which is why when we do the nine-step amends, we try to not promise and apologize because those kind of words coming out of our mouth don't hold much weight. It says his continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Finally, he can no longer work, his wife gets a divorce, and he is held up to ridicule. I underline, he tries every no means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head. And I wrote on the side, problem in his mind. Problem in his mind. The reason why I drank so much is because I wanted the voices in my head to shut up. And oftentimes when we see someone who takes a supreme sacrifice, which is a gun to the head, they do it to the head. Yes, that is the way to kill something, to kill a human. But there's something really interesting about how we point it at our head. We want it to stop. We want it to be quiet. He shuts himself up in an asylum, hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We, that's the first 100 men and women who have been through the ringer, have to admit, I underline, if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. And next to jaywalking, I wrote, do this. So substitute alcoholism for jaywalking. Think about it. Think about the promises, the continual promises, the decisions, the trouble, the knowledge, the talks, the DUIs, the getting you know, our family upset with us, our friends upset with us, our loved ones upset with us, our career, the doctors, and knowing that, we needed to stop and not being able to. I underline the rest of the paragraph. However intelligent we may have been in other respects, where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. I wrote on the side, cannot differentiate truth from the false. Cannot differentiate truth from the false. I underline, it's strong language, but isn't it true? Some of you are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to. I underlined, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. And I wrote on the side, self-knowledge is not our answer. Self-knowledge is not our answer. It says, we have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. I underlined, thanks for the information. This was me with my parents when they got sober, and they were telling me that I needed to be an AA, and I needed to watch out, and I was going to end up in here. And I was like, yeah, thanks for the information. Peace out. I wrote on the top of 39, can I see the truth about alcohol? Can I see the truth about alcohol? It says, that may be true 
of certain non-alcoholic people. I circled non-alcoholic people and I wrote above that, don't have physical craving, mental obsession. Don't have physical craving, mental obsession. So non-alcoholic people don't have a physical craving or a mental obsession. Who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, I underline, are able to stop or moderate. And then I put a little arrow from the non-alcoholic people I just circled down to are able to stop or moderate. The reason why they're able to stop or moderate is because they don't have a physical craving or mental obsession. I wrote on the other side, can you stop or moderate? Can you stop or moderate? I could stop. I could moderate. I just couldn't stay stopped and I couldn't stay moderated. Because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. I circle brains and bodies and I underline brains and bodies. And again, they're talking about the, the mental obsession and the physical allergy. One of my sponsors, who, the one who took me through this book originally, memorized this next part that we're going to read. And she would say it over and over and over again. And it's eerie to me whenever I get to this place because she, it was about self-knowledge and self-knowledge and the lie of her mental obsession is what took her out after 10 plus years of sobriety. I underline the rest of the paragraph, but the actual or potential alcoholic with hardly an exception will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. I wrote on the side, lost the power of choice. And I also wrote absolutely powerless, absolutely powerless over alcohol and our mind. Lost the power of choice absolutely powerless over alcohol and our mind. And underneath the word says, out of bitter experience, I wrote, believe the lie. So because I lost the power of choice, I'm powerless with my physical allergy and my mental obsession, and I have no way to control this. It says, let us take another illustration. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good, he has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He is so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. I underlined, to all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual. So, to the outside world. Some of us are able to do it, some of us are not. It just depends. I was able to keep my outsides looking good because I grew up in an alcoholic home and what I learned through example in that home was that if you looked good on the outside, then no one could talk to you about what was going on on the inside. So I had to look okay and the way that I did that was I got really good grades and I was involved in a lot of activities and I was always moving so fast. So if you ever stop me and you're like, wait, you're a mess, I'd be like, where? Show me where I'm a mess. It says, yet he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred, that's the first 100 men and women, about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. That's like when celebrities today say they go for exhaustion. It was his first experience of this kind and he was much ashamed of it. I underlined, far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. Above, he told himself, I wrote, the lie. I don't know about you, but if I'm really tired, I'm just going to go to bed. I don't need to go to a hospital. I don't need to use my insurance. I don't need to pay somebody to let me sleep. When they're talking about a bad case of jitters or a place to rest my nerves or exhaustion, we're talking about 
un- unmanageable life that needs to be taken control over. I wrote on the side, did I lie to myself? I know I lied to everybody else, but did I lie to myself? And my answer was a big whopping yes. The doctor intimated strongly, I underlined, that he might be worse than he realized. Here's the deal about alcoholism. We are the last to know we have it. And when we get here, we cannot see what a mess we are until we've been here for a while. Until we start walking away from that old life and walking into our new life and letting go of those old ways. And then we start working with new girls and we're like, whoa, she's a mess. And then we remember that we were just like that. For a few days, he was, I underlined, depressed about his condition. I underlined he made up his mind, and I wrote on the side, lost the power of choice. Remember, I can make up my mind all day long, but if I no longer have the power to choose, making up my mind is going to be useless. It's going to be like plugging in something without electricity. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. I underlined it never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so. And the reason why he could not do so is because he lost the power of choice. In spite of his character and standing, I underline the next sentence. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. So I wrote next to that, wouldn't take step one. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. Wouldn't take step one. And then I underline, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. And I wrote, wouldn't accept step two. So he, he wouldn't accept step one and he wouldn't accept step two. You can't do one without the other anyways. Um, so he does not believe he has an alcoholic mind and he does not want to accept a spiritual remedy. It says, we told him what we knew of alcoholism. On the top of 40, I underline what we knew of alcoholism. And I wrote physical and mental, physical allergy and mental obsession. That, that's what we know of alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms. I underlined the rest of the paragraph. But he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. I wrote on the side, still has human power, which is his own power. He still believes he can do something about it. So he's not done. So if we were working with someone and they still believe that they've got it, then they're not done. I underlined, he was positive that this humiliating experience plus the knowledge he had acquired would keep him sober for the rest of his life. I underlined self-knowledge would fix it. And I wrote two things. Believe the lie. And then I wrote in quotation marks, I got this. We're going to stop right there. Thank you so much for joining me. I cannot wait to talk to you guys next week about more about alcoholism. Have an awesome week. It's totally up to you.